0: Well, we've been talking about uh, you ask for it. This is week four. We have one more week after this week. The fourth thing on your list that you asked to talk about was forgiveness. But I'm kind of coming at it from a different point um, this morning, because I'm going to come at it from the avenue of love. Because if we have love, we have forgiveness. How many know what I'm talking about? We can we can talk about forgiveness, and and we may do steps one day. And I've I've preached on it different times. Here's ways that are, will help you forgive. But today, the Lord has had me talk about love because for whatever reason, since this is one of the, one of the if not the greatest commandment, uh, we need to focus on what God is saying and then we can focus on forgiving. Because we can't really deal with forgiveness unless we're willing to love. And if we do it God's way, learning to love others, we'll be able to forgive them and we can move forward. Sometimes it's just hard. If you've been hurt, you've been betrayed or whatever, then to wrap yourself around you know forgiving that person let's just wrap ourselves around god and wrap ourselves around love and the rest will start taking its course in john chapter 13 we see jesus talking about this incredible love so he talks about love and that we are to have for one another it's real important that we bring that out because that's what differentiates us really and and we know there's people that aren't uh Maybe aren't believers, but they're just good people. You know what I'm saying? They seem to have their head screwed on straight. They're kind. They're nice to people. They'd even maybe give you the shirt off their back type people. And we get that. Jesus makes this a big priority. He wants us to love as the way he's telling us to love. So we have to look at it. The Bible even says they will know. In other words, people that don't know Christ will know. We know Christ by our love. And so we need to look at that. We'll know that we're his disciples. They will know that by our love. So the overview of the points of John are like this. The first one would be this. Love others like he loves us. That's our first point. When we overview John, he wants us to love others like he loves us. And secondly, uh, our love for others shows our love for God. So our love for others shows our love for God. In other words, he's telling us if if we love one another, everybody will know that we're disciples. They'll know that we have Jesus in our life. We'll know because we are love. He says that incredible love in the body that allows others to know that we're God's children. We've all ran into people like that. We've all ran into people. You can take people that have had terrible situations, you know, or circumstances and put somebody else in those. And they may respond different because they have figured out how to love how many understand what i'm saying sometimes we'll let people things that, that happen to you be stumbling blocks While somebody else in that same situation will make it a stepping stone depending on how quick they respond and how they can yield over to god so in john i'm just going to go through a story jesus is walking with his bros with his homies with his disciples and he asked this question who's my neighbor And so it's interesting. The word neighbor is in the Greek and the Latin and the root word of neighbor is nigh. So it means to draw nigh or near or close to someone. So the Lord said that when we are loved God with all of our heart, when we are to love with how he wants us to love our soul, our mind, our strength and our neighbor as ourselves. We're to draw close to those around us, not only to just believers, but there's, you know, there's a line, but you've got to draw people in that need Jesus, and they need to see that. And you can't do that stand at an arm's length. Sometimes you just, you know, you might have to help someone. You might have to be the arms and the feet of Jesus. That's how they know. Loving one another is a core value here at TLC. It's one of the things that we, we do. We really, we've talked about it, but you guys, the dream team lives it out. John 13 is really all about love. John is a, is a, a love book for, for the most of it. Um, And the the 13, 14, 15, 16 chapters of John, chapter 13, 14, 15 and 16, those are about Jesus talking about love. (laughs) So when we're talking about that, I'm going to bring this story out because as I'm studying this, this is what is incredible about forgiveness. This is the last night that Jesus spends with his gang. This is the last night that this is right before the Garden of Gethsemane, right before the cross. He's got everybody together. He wants them around him. He's pulled them in. He's spending time with them. And this is what happens they come into the upper room. They get a room. Now, in that time, it was typical if you got an upper room, or whether it's upper or lower, it really doesn't matter. But if you got a room, you had, there was somebody that was designated for that room that as soon as you came in, According to custom, they were there with a wash basin and a towel. They would greet you and they would wash your feet so that you could come in the room and you'd get your feet clean. Because, you know, back in the day, you're talking sandals and dusty road and all that. That was that was common for that to happen. So they get this room and they get in there and something's different. There's nobody there to wash their feet. There's nobody there to greet them. They're all just meeting in this room. So what's happening, have you ever been somewhere where you know this is a normal thing, and then if you go into a room and it's not normal, do you notice it before somebody else, or does it seem like everybody start to notice it? There's certain things that because you see it all the time, you're just used to that. You know, How many remember back in the day when the gas station attendant would wash your windows and pump your gas and check your oil? Remember that? See, none of the kids that are, they don't know that. Everything since they've been alive is self-serve or whatever. But there was a time when you would walk in and some guy in a nifty suit would go, how are you today? Wipe your window. Would you like a fill up? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just one of those kind of things that was you were kind of used to that. This is what they were used to. Now, this wasn't going on. So they didn't see anybody. They walk in and they're OK. Well, there's nobody here to wash our feet. That's what we customarily do. So this is what happens they i this is just my opinion this is i think what they did i think they started thinking all right who is going to be the one that jesus is going to have wash our feet have you ever been to this is elementary school remember when you had to choose sides okay we're going to play softball or we're going to play baseball or whatever you're going to play and we're going to pick up sides and nobody wanted to be chosen last because the least Is the one you're like, ah, you get so-and-so or whatever. So basically, I think they're starting to go, okay, who's going to, who is here is not as important as all of the others. I think Peter, James, and John might said hey, we're part of the three amigos. We're not going to be washing feet. Let's do the amigo salute. (laughs) So maybe, you know, they're thinking that, you know, uh, Thomas might be saying, I doubt he picks me. I don't know. Maybe I'll, you know, I, you know, they're kind of going through who's going to be the least, who's going to do that. And so they're going through that order. And I think that's human. I think we would probably think somebody's got to wash people's feet. Some of you have gifts. You know what a hospitality gift is? A hospitality gift is when someone comes in and, and they're sitting down and you don't see that they have a chair or they need something to drink or you just feel like, somebody's got to get them something to drink you know and that's a great gift to have my uh, uh I, we have people in our family that have that jay where's jay wave at me jay okay jay, jay is like overflowing in that gift man that dude like rocks in that gift when we go to any family function he won't sit down until he makes sure everybody has a seat and if they don't have a seat he'll probably carve one out of a tree and give them one or something I mean he's we're always like, Jay, you get in line. No, 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 you get in line. No, and they're almost there's almost like a get in line. No, 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 no. I mean, he just he loves taking care of people. That is a wonderful gift. So anyway, they're they're looking at all this. And and just so let me just explain this. It does matter who you hang out with. Because when you hang out with people, that influence that they have begins to rub off on you. You know, if your three best friends are Larry, Curly, and Mo, I'd have some concerns. But if there are people that are just like, they want to, they just want to help. They just want to do what they're supposed to do. Those are good things to have. So they're figuring out who's least. And we all know what happened. We all know what Jesus did. He took off his robe. He picked up the basin of water and he took up the towel and he started walking around the room to wash their feet. And this bothered Peter. Peter was in, you know, Peter, Peter's got to shoot his mouth off at everything. So, you know, Peter, this makes him mad. And he says, you're not washing my feet. But, you know, sometimes people like Peter, even though you got to love Peter, he's saying something without saying it. What he's saying is, you shouldn't be washing people's feet. You're not washing mine, because you shouldn't be washing people's feet. And I think that's human. I think sometimes we need to look at stuff and go, maybe, you know, it's it's okay to be human, because you are. But Jesus is already saying, you know what, whatever you say, Peter... I love you. And Jesus responds to Peter and says, listen, if you're not going to let me wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. And then, you know, Peter, his response is, well, then wash my head, wash everything. Give me a bath. Because, you know, Pete, he's at one stream or the other. He goes clear to one end or the other. So this whole thing is happening. And Jesus showed those disciples servant love and care. He's not. He's very humbled. You know, there's strength and humility. I'm trying to learn all that myself. Sometimes there's just strength in keeping your mouth shut. haven't mastered all that one yet. There's strength and you don't have to flex your muscles. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just need to just be quiet. Haven't mastered that one yet either. But he's trying to show the disciples incredible love. And there's three things I want you to see today. This is what he demonstrated. He demonstrated, this is Jesus, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. He was secure in who he was. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going, and he knew why he was there. He knew why he came. So he's got nothing to prove. He's got nothing to lose because he's on a mission, and he's got nothing to hide. He's, He's telling them from the beginning, here's why I came. So in this incredible security, he's able to care and minister for other people. He's not concerned what other people think. Do you understand we live in a society that everybody's concerned what other people think? Now, I'm not saying there's not wisdom in just doing any old thing. But I am saying there is a part where you have to be like, you know what? If you did it right, they're going to still talk about you. If you're worried about what people are saying about you, they're going to say it whether you're worried or whether you're not worried. And let God deal with them. You're going to have to love them anyway. In fact, in the next 24 hours, he knew who he was, was, where he was going, why he was here. His identity was solid. He was able to do some incredible things. As you know who you are in Christ, as you are confident in that, do you understand that everyone has a measure of faith? And the more that I've studied this, the more that I find out is what God has put inside me And I can be secure in that. Then I can do the things he's called me to do because I'm equipped. Help me, somebody. He's equipped me to do what he's called me to do. He's equipped you to do what he's called you to do. You don't have to sit there and question. Oh, God, what if they think this? You know what? Who cares what they think? Just do it in love and just see what happens. You know, we got holidays coming up. Some of you might be asked to pray over the meal. Oh, Lord, what if I pray it wrong? What if you pray it right? Let's think about this. The example of forgiveness. This is what we need. This is Jesus. So this is where I'm like, oh, that's that's God. That's deep because he was able to love. He is able to forgive. He was able to endure the betrayal of a friend. He was able to comfort his disciples when he should have been the one comforted. I mean, he's the one going to go through this. They're not going through this like he is. He was able to handle the denial of one of his closest friends, the one whom he would leave the church. Remember, Peter, on you, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He was able to turn the other cheek when the mockery of a trial came. He was willing to turn everything over to God's hand and say, Father, it's not my will, but your will. Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. All of these things, he's willing to die because he knew how to love. This incredible love that he had for people, this incredible love that he had for you and he had for me. Reminded of a story in the Olympics, the Special Olympics for the mentally and physically handicapped. A hundred yard dash, all of the contestants lined up. The gun sounded and off they went running down the track. And about halfway there, one of the children fell. And immediately, all the others running in that race stopped, turned around, came over to their fallen friend, picked him up. And they all went across the finish line together. I think sometimes we could learn something. From someone that we don't think are so smart. Many of you are involved in small groups. And small groups are basically homes and people that love other people throughout our city, ministering to people, laymen taking care of laymen. 1 Corinthians 9 gives us tremendous insight on some of that stuff of just how to break the walls down, reach people and care for people, show love to one another. So we have to love as Jesus loved. Wouldn't you agree? We need to do the way God did it. We, God, show me how to do that. Because sometimes it's hard to love people that are kind of unlovable. Sometimes, I mean, we, again, we've got holidays coming up. You'll see them at holidays, but you sure don't want to go on vacation with them. You know, you're, you're timing this. Oh, dear Lord, if Uncle George is in the room, I'm going to the other room. 1 Corinthians 9, 3 and 5 says this. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So Paul is giving clues about building bridges of love that can bear weight of truth. He's talking about, you know, we have rights as Christians. Can we not do some of these things? Can we become a neighbor? He was actually befriending and being a neighbor to a motley crew, so to speak, in the port town of Corinth. He's, he's actually, he's just doing things that they're like, you know what? You're not so bad. I mean, you're a little strange with the Lord thing, but you're okay. Here's our first point in loving others this morning, so that we can help ourselves to forgive and move forward. Number one is doing it God's way. First Corinthians nine, eleven, and twelve says this: If we have sown spiritual things for you, it is a great thing if we reap your, uh, your material things. Question mark. If others are partakers of the right, o- this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, have we not used the right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel? of christ so paul is saying several times we have the right he's referring to himself and and barnabas and he says in fact if we look around we have even greater rights so he talks about that but then he says i have the right it's my right but notice what he says in the next verse and i want you to pay close attention because it really hinges on this we haven't used this right of ours Even though in the kingdom we have all these privileges and we can use those as we walk with the Lord, when it comes to people that don't know the Lord, you cannot exercise some of your rights to just smash them into the ground. That didn't go over well. We have rights that we can walk above things. Okay? You're not to walk in sin. I get it. But what I'm saying is, Paul is saying this, even though we have the rights, we haven't used some of our rights. Not rights to be sinful, we're not doing that. What I'm saying is, we don't call everybody on everything. How many people have you wanted to the Lord by telling them everything they did wrong? Everybody in here does wrong, as done at one time or another. But we have to be able to say, you know what, Lord, I'm giving that to you. Let them see the love of Christ instead of just, you know, there are people that blah, 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 You already know how you feel. You already know the condemnation the enemy puts you on. Paul is saying something different. Here's number two. Well, and, and number one, we don't we want to make sure the message of Christ gets out. Number two is own what's yours. First Corinthians nine sixteen and seventeen. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of; for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For I do this willingly. I have a reward, but it is against my will. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. So Paul is accepting responsibility. He's saying I'm not only willing to give up my rights. I'm willing to understand. I'm I am responsible for people. I'm a r i am am responsible to be a witness to my brother is what he's trying to say here. Uh I'm a debtor to every person. Do you know a lot of times when we get success, it's not the success we've done. Other people have helped build that. You know, people are like, oh, the, the church is successful, it's growing. The, you know, Brett and Kim are you know what, Brett and Kim are doing what they're supposed to do, but I we have many people that do what they're supposed to do. We can't do that on our own. This is God's kingdom. This is God's church. Paul is saying, listen, we all put our, I want to just, I wish I had the Brett version. He's saying, we put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time. He says, I've got rights in Christ and God has changed my life and look what he saved me from. But he's also saying, you know what? I'm not going to Lord that, so to speak over you. I'm not holier than you are. I'm not going to put that all on you. I'm not going to make you feel worse. I'm going to do what I can to show you how good God has been to me. Does that make more sense? I'm going to show you how God has changed my life. You're going to see what I used to be maybe if you knew me before, but you're going to see me different now. That's what he's trying to get across. He's taking responsibility. He's saying, you know what? There are situations in all of your life that may not have been good, And maybe they stunk. But if you understand, listen, some of that has helped push you in the right direction. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, life isn't always going to be fair. Life isn't always going to be good. But some of the bad stuff, even if it was a bad choice, then learn from it. And then take it and leap off of that and say, God, I'm I'm better. I'm going to go. I can't do anything about what's happened, but I can go ahead. Let's get back to the story of Jesus. You know, Paul learned this from him. He's washing the disciples' feet. That night, he picked up a basin. And there's only two times in the scripture when you see the word basin. In the Bible, both are in the same 24-hour period of time. Jesus picked up the basin to wash the disciples' feet. Another person picked up a basin, filled it with water, and his name was Pilate. Now, remember when Jesus was before him and, and all the accusations were going on, the crowd was pressing Pilate. He knew what he was supposed to do. He said, I can't find any fault. in mean, him." you knew all the story, but he yielded because he just felt all the pressure. And he got the basin and he washed his hands. Remember that? And he said, I don't want any responsibility of what, whatever you're doing here. I'm washing my hands of this whole situation. Isn't that interesting? Within 24 hours, we see two basins. Jesus picked up the basin, filled it with water, washed the disciples' feet. He went beyond the normal, picked up added responsibility, said, this isn't really my job, there should be somebody here, but because I love you guys, it doesn't matter if I'm washing your feet, I want to do it. I am a servant. I'm taking on more. Sometimes you're going to have to go maybe a little extra. Sometimes you might have to do something that you don't feel like, you know what, I don't want to do that. But God is prompting you to do something maybe that you weren't really ready to do, but you got to do. Maybe you got to pick somebody up and bring them to church. I don't want, that's kind of out of my way. Maybe you got to do it anyway. One is picking up responsibility, the other is getting rid of responsibility. I can tell you this genuine love never becomes genuine until those two things happen. You pick up added responsibility and you begin to love. There's always a price for friendship. You've heard that saying people don't care what you think till they think you care. I put it this way people don't care what you think until they know you care. Because they will know we are Christians by our love. Here's point number three you don't have to be top dog. First Corinthians nine nineteen. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. Here's what he's saying. I'm not anybody's slave, but I've become a slave to everyone so that I can win as many people as possible. I willingly submit myself. The highest authority is not the law. The highest authority is God, and God is what? Love. So we submit to the Lord and just say, You know what? I'm going to love them. Brett, does that mean we have to love our presidential candidates? Yes. You don't have to go on vacation with them, but I don't like Obama, and I don't like Obamacare. Obama don't care. I can tell you this. Hillary don't care. I can tell you this. Trump has some incredible hair. But don't okay. Here's number four. Just keeping it real supply and demand. I think the, the probably the active test of servanthood is genuine love is, are we willing to adjust ourselves? What if God was asking you to do something, but it's going to make your schedule? You've got to change. You might have to go a different route. You might have to pick someone up, as we said before. Are we willing to make those changes so we can reach and, and help somebody or love or meet somebody else's needs? What if you had to stop because somebody on the road maybe had a flat tire and you don't know them, but you feel like, man, I just need to stop and help them. 1 Corinthians nine twenty and 23 says, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. And to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all thanks to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, not that I may be a part- or that I may be a partaker of it with you. That's what Jesus did. He left heaven to come to earth. Now think about that. Think about that adjustment. I mean, think about heaven. I mean, heaven, you don't have to do. I mean, heaven is awesome. I mean, we can't even hardly imagine. The Bible talks about it. But I mean, streets of gold talks about pearls and diamonds and things on the gates. It talks all of these things and how wide and long and 1500 miles, you know, all of that. Heaven's amazing. Jesus leaves paradise To put on an earthly shell and come down. You talk about adjustment? The creator of heaven and earth became a baby. The son of God became the son of man so that we who are, listen to me, are sons of man can become sons of God. Think about that. I'm amazed sometimes at the attitude of other believers. We're so unwilling sometimes to be inconvenienced, give up our likes and our priorities and our warm fuzzies just to help to show love of Jesus to lost people. It shouldn't be that way. Small groups are great because out there they care for you and they meet your needs. That's how you connect. Life change happens in small groups and that's why we push those and we want you to be a, uh, in a small group. Somebody in our church has a baby or they're an extended stay in our hospital. As long as we know about it and we can help you, we have a... Now, listen to this. This is awesome. We have a team that will bring dinner to your house for a couple nights just to take the pressure off so that you don't have to do that. They'll set that up if somebody's in the hospital... Um, from a small group, this has happened before, you know, and I get a call. Hey, so-and-so was in an accident during the hospital or something happened and I get to the hospital. There's already people from their small group that's already there. That's awesome. That's just lay people ministering to lay people. That's just family saying, and they're not family according to related. Like I'm talking about. I mean family because they're in the body of Christ. Hey, we're here for you. Can I, can I help you with your kids? You don't, you worry about it. We got that. That's Amazing. People reaching out, letting walls come down, keeping that sense of family. Here's our fifth point and last one for this morning. God is keeping stats and there is going to be an award ceremony. Every once in a while I run into people that are just like, I don't want anybody to know whatever I've done. And I mean, I don't think you should parade it around. I don't think you say, look, I, did, I gave this much or I did this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some people that are just, you know, they're just so caught up with, oh, you can't know. I don't know. I want anybody to know. Just if you are loving God and you're doing it correctly, you can't hide that. People see it. You're just who you are. They're, you know, they almost feel bad because they've been drilled in their head. They shouldn't be happy about getting a reward. But I'm happy. Are you? The Bible says he says uh, he's going to give out a crown. I'm going to get one. Are you getting one. I mean, I'm excited about that. First Corinthians nine twenty four. do you know that those who run the, in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So Paul's saying this, run the race to win a prize. There's going to be a payday. I'm not running just for the payday, but I'm just like, sweet. Jesus said, in Matthew, if we give a cup of cold water in his name, it's like giving it to him. You, you put in coats for Christmas in that box. It's like giving a coat to Jesus. Because somebody's going to get warm because you cared. Think about it. Every time you give a cup of cold water to somebody, every time you help somebody, he recognizes it and he writes it down and he accepts it. And in his eyes, if we do something loving to someone else, no matter how insignificant it may seem to us or to somebody else, Jesus says, I accept that to myself. And I'll remember that when you come into my kingdom. See, so many times we're caught and we got to do something big. It's got to be big. It's the insignificant things that you don't think matter that matter. We talked about the fragments before of the 12 baskets. Well, oh, we'll just get rid of those. Do you know that one basket might not be much, but 12 fragments can be a lot. It's those insignificant things. Maybe you gave somebody a word of encouragement today when they got to TLC. Maybe you got waved at in the parking lot. They're taking God's like, yeah, that's good. Maybe you hug somebody and you said, man, so glad you're here. So glad you made it. It's so good to see you. That's good. Maybe you're waving at somebody across the auditorium, giving them a thumbs up. Yeah, that's good. See, we think insignificant doesn't matter. It does matter. I'm just telling you small things matter to to my wife. I, I, I need to get better at that. But small things are good. Instead of just on a special date, opening the door for her. Try to open the door as many times as I can. Oh, Brett, that's nuts. might be to you, but it's insignificant, but yet it's major. Notice you didn't hear any men saying amen. Well, we got one. Good. Can you imagine the body of Christ coming together just saying, you know what? They'll know we are Christians by our love. We are together and, and say we're all in heaven and God starts saying, see this? See that? Look at this insignificant, what people thought. Look how great that was. Did you know your smile, your little comment of, hey, I'm, I'm believing in you, you can do that, might mean the difference between somebody's success and failure. You're like, Brett, I don't want that pressure. It's not on you. It's just be who you're supposed to be. But that little seed, that little word, that little encouragement might just change everybody's day in that situation. How friendly you are. See, that's what drew people here to TLC. When we talk to people, and we talk to guests. You had me at the door. I told the Dream Team today, that's what somebody said. You had me at the door. The guy waved at me in a parking lot. People hugged me coming in. Four or five different people came up and said, we're glad you're here. They're like, you had me at the door. It does matter. It does matter. My challenge to you today. If you're having trouble forgiving let's get our minds off of the hurt get our minds on the medicine let's look at the love you don't have to go over and above you don't have to go and you know but you you do have to love you don't have to hang out if somebody's really hurt you you don't have to go over and, and but you do have to love and it's going to be hard for you to forgive if you can't at least love them for God. It doesn't mean you condone what happened, whatever it was. It doesn't mean you like it. I'm not asking your agreement in that. What I'm asking you is will you love? Will you say, God, you are bigger than that pain? Would you bow your heads, please?